in this morning. Today, I'm going to be sharing with us, as we know, the month of April is our month of supernatural transformation. I'm going to be sharing with us just as an introduction this morning on the path to transformation. The path to transformation. I want us to look at our societies all around us, not only in your community, but outside of your community. Our societies are particularly saturated with men and women with nebulous character. We see this all the time. In politics, men of shady, cloudy character. Nebulous. Shrewd. Unscrupulous. Shady. But the reason why we have come into the kingdom is that our lives can get into the clinic of transformation. The kingdom of God is a clinic. The kingdom of God is a place of transformation. Yes, we have been saved by the blood of Jesus. Yes, we have been delivered from sin. We must also understand that we have a place where God wants to continue to work on our characters and create a place for us to imitate what is right. I said we were saved from our sin, but we are being shaped. Hallelujah. We are being shaped into the image of Jesus himself. Church, don't be alarmed when you see professed Christians behave in an erratic way. Don't be alarmed. Because salvation does not necessarily change your character. Salvation saves your soul. An experience of salvation with Jesus saves our soul. Now, transformation is an act of will. Transformation is a deliberate willingness. I'm making myself available to God to change me. Have we seen Christians who are greedy? Yeah. Have we seen Christians who are in this, you know, who are indiscreet? Yes. Their souls are saved, but they have missed out on the process of transformation because what God is doing in us is He wants to work out His perfect will until we are shaped into the image of His Son, Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Until we are what? Shaped into the image of his son, Christ Jesus. Church, you and I are a work in progress. Transformed living is the goal of the kingdom. We go around with claims of who we are, but sometimes our struggles are enough evidence for the world not to even listen to us. 
our struggles gives away the, the, the inabilities that is in our nature. Every time you look at the kingdom, transformation is the bedrock of our faith. It is. God is holy, the Bible says. He is holy, he is the omnipotent, he has all power, and he is perfect. In his, in his eternal plan, he wants us, he wants to rob his nature on our carnal nature so that our carnal nature will be transformed to reflect his glory. If we are not changing as a people, then we have defeated the purpose of his sacrifice. People say, why are you so, why are you so flaky? No, we're not flaky. What happens is, who I used to be a year ago, that's not who I am anymore because there is a creative work of transformation going on in my life. So the person you used to know 12 months ago is not the same person today. Is it because I'm faking it? No, I'm not faking it to make it. It is because there's a work of grace inside me going on. So the things I love, I love no more. That is the work of transformation. That's why it's so dangerous to judge a believer on what you used to know them to be, particularly if they submitted themselves to the process of transformation. You cannot do that. I've shared a testimony here before, but I'll quickly mention in just a few minutes of a particular couple that were together. Many of us remember, I've shared it many times, of this man who was an unbelieving man, always was stretching his hand to abuse the wife. But as soon as he was invited to a church and he experienced and he gave his heart to the Lord, he was opportune that somebody began to disciple him. And the person who discipled him told him to spend time in the word. And this man started looking at the word of God. He started looking at the word of God. The wife noticed something about this man is different. It wasn't because he was saved. It was because he has submitted himself to the process of transformation. The church of Jesus is not a feel-good caravan. When we come here together as God's people, it's not every time that it's just feel good messages. That's not what the church is for. The church is a place of molding, character molding, behavior regulation that comes by the revelation of the word of God. If my character is not being molded, if my behavior is not being regulated by the word of God, there is something wrong with me. Anybody in the house can witness to that? There is something wrong. Please, church, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you're perfect, but I'm saying you're submitting yourself to the process of change that comes as you fellowship with the Lord. I have found out, I don't know if I have validated this, the fallen nature of man cannot be restrained. The fallen nature, it cannot be restrained. That is why you see wickedness on our street. How many of us know of how many gun violence you see every week on that street? It is the fallen nature of man. You cannot restrain him. You see, we put people in prison. We incarcerate them for 30 years, for 40 years. 
One of the things I've heard, I don't know how true this, I've never worked in a prison establishment before, but it is almost documented. As soon as people leave prison, almost less than a week they've committed another crime. You know why? You cannot restrain that human nature, that bad nature, that wicked nature. What can happen to that nature is for it to be transformed. That's why I'm trusting the Lord as a church. May God give us a prison ministry. We can go there and share the gospel with people when they leave the prison. They are not just leaving. They are not leaving because they are set free, but because they have been truly free indeed. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read this in three different versions of the Bible. Romans chapter 12. Please go with me, church. The book of Romans, chapter 12. I read from three different versions. I read Amplified, I read J.B. Phillips, but I also read NIV. If we're ready, I want us to say amen. Romans chapter 12, in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amplified version of the Bible. I want us to hear it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well pleasing to God which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. Did we hear that? Do not any longer be conformed. It says, do not any longer be conformed to this world with its superficial values and customs. And there are superficial values and customs today. But be transformed and progressively changed. But be transformed and what? Progressively changed. As you mature spiritually. By the renewing of your mind. Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Finally, J.B. Phillips, I read this. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him, and acceptable to him. Don't, please listen to this, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds 
from within. So that you may prove in practice, in how? In practice, that the plan of God for you is good. Meet all his demands and move towards the goal of true maturity. Let's decode what Paul the Apostle is saying here in this passage. Number one, he said something we must not do. Don't conform. Ever say don't conform. Because if you conform, it's a demonstration that you are not transformed. Believers are not conformist. Compromise makes us conformist. It is easier to conform. It is more convenient to conform. In fact, it is acceptable to conform. Maybe I should add one to it. It is very popular to conform. In fact, you will get applauded if you conform. In fact, you will be considered a modern believer if you conform. A progressive Christian. Church, let me say this to you today. There is no... <laughs> it's either you're a Christian or you're not. There is no progressive or retrogressive Christian. A Christian is a Christian. A Christian 100 years ago is a Christian today. A Christian today must be the same Christian 100 years to come. Because the cross has not changed. The standard of the kingdom has not changed. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. In other words, it's unchanging. Secondly, it says something here. It says, do not conform but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it says, secondly, first, don't conform. Second, allow yourself to be transformed. I want to make this statement. Transformation can only take place in our life to the degree to which we allow God to work in us. I'm going to repeat again. Transformation can only occur in our lives to the degree to which I permit God to do it in my life. I have seen that as Christians, we can compartmentalize our lives and give God opportunity to work in certain areas. And we, in a way, say to God, these areas are a no-go area for you, Lord. Church, are we hearing me? It's either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. If he's your Savior and your Lord, he has to be Lord of all. We cannot compartmentalize our lives. God wants to trust me in the secret and in the hope. God wants to be Lord over my soul at work and at home. God wants to be Lord over my life among friends and among foes. It does not matter where we are. God's work of transformation means it, it is not a matter of location. It's a matter of who is working within you. Please don't get me wrong. These Christians make mistakes. We do. We're human. 
But even in the midst of your mistake, when you realize the difference between a man who has been transformed is his willingness to repent. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I just messed this up big time. Forgive. Cleanse my heart. Because what makes the difference is this. When you are in the process of transformation, the Holy Ghost is active in you. Your conscience is active. You're not looking to sin. You're not looking for sin. But when you run into a ditch, you immediately know and say, Lord, I ask for you to cleanse my heart right now. I cannot afford to have this hanging over my head. I don't want anything to stand in my relationship with between you and me. There is a sense of God's presence all around you. When you miss God's presence, you miss it all, church. God's presence is everything. Now, I've been talking about transformation, but there can be no transformation without the renewing of our minds. Church, did we hear me? It's great to talk about transformation, but there can be no transformation if our minds are not renewed. So really, to simplify the entire process of transformation, it all comes down to one fact. What is it? Renewal of mind. It's, it's that simple. It comes to what? Renewal of mind. What is renewal? Renewal means there was certain information. There is a particular way of life. There are certain belief systems. There is a way I used to think. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I mean, I must have noticed that your predominant thought in your mind rules you. I'm going to say it one more time. Your predominant thought in your mind rules your life. We don't even pay attention to that. But if you think about the predominant rule, the predominant thought in your mind, it rules our lives. If I'm material-minded, if I'm living a material-minded life, it is directly opposed to the kingdom-minded life. But when I'm going through the process of renewal, all of that must be flushed out. My mind has to change. Church, I want us to get ready for the journey that the Lord is doing now. He's taking us. The journey of change. The journey of transformation. If there's any journey that I want the Lord to take me in the year 2021, it's a journey of transformation. And he's doing it. Glory to God, he's doing it. Because when transformation begins, it's going to affect every part of your constitution. Do you know it's going to affect your language? Your vocabulary will change. Because God is at work in you. Everybody else know what I'm talking about? He changes your vocabulary. That's one aspect of our life that is so difficult to give up. Particularly if we're ladies. Vocabulary. And God says, no, I can't deal with that. Your vocabulary has to change. And for, for us as men, also, God is saying, I'm walking through. I'm bringing you all together to be like me. So what kind of renewal are we talking about? Our minds can only be renewed through his word. God's word is not void of power. Power to change. I know this and I believe this, that the authority to change a man's mind is in the word of God. The, the authority to change the way we think is in the word of God. 
I was thinking about Jesus in his first message after he came out of the wilderness. Remember? He appointed his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 5, that was Jesus' first appearance in teaching people. And we call it the Beatitudes. How many of us remember that? The Beatitudes. Do you know the first thing Jesus began to teach? Jesus did not teach about power when he came out of that place. He didn't teach about the Holy, Ghost, Holy Spirit baptism. Did you notice it? He didn't teach about money. You know the first thing Jesus began to teach? Blessed is the man that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus began to teach, blessed are those who are poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And Jesus went for that. Blessed are they that are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Anyone talking? Do you see what Jesus is teaching? It doesn't sound attractive, does it? Because every word that Jesus is saying is, is dealing with some internal mind issues. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do we see what Jesus is doing? He's dealing with the man on the inside. Church, I want us to hear this today. If the man on the inside is not transformed, it doesn't matter what I'm doing on the outside. The man inside has to be conquered. Because Jesus was well aware of the human nature, the weakness of the human nature. And then he went further by saying, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. How many of us have thought about that? Jesus thought that blessed are the peacemakers. What Jesus was doing at his first message was to school the mind of man. You see, your mind and my mind needs to be schooled. Jesus began by saying, even in the time of crisis, how do people know that you're a child of God? Because you're a messenger of peace, even in that moment. I was reading the book of Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 19. You can read it when you get back home. It says, a man who loves quarrel. It says, a man who loves cannot love quarrel. You know, I can't say it exactly the way it says, but it's like if you truly are a man of love, you cannot enjoy quarrel. And when we live like this as peacemakers, you know what the world calls us? They call us, they call us stupid. Because they think we can't fight for ourselves, but we're peacemakers. That doesn't tell me we're stupid when we pick our battles as believers. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about? You do what? You pick your battles as believers. You don't jump at every opportunity for crisis. No, we're peacemakers. Jesus also taught our mind, schooled our mind in righteousness. I was reading the book of Psalm chapter 23. Many of us know the scripture, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He, he, he leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Now the scripture says, he leadeth me in the path of righteousness. For what reason? For his name's sake. That's where he leads me. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So I believe we are being schooled by the Holy Ghost. What does the renew our mind mean? It means when I get into the word of God, I begin to learn how to be a child of God, to be a peacemaker. How do, what do I learn? I learn to walk in righteousness, in holiness, because that's what he expects from me. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That's what are the things the work of the Holy Spirit is doing. If I don't go into the world, but church, there is no way I see that. 
He says, guard your heart with all diligence. Do you know, believers, there are places I don't go. There are things I don't want to hear. And there are things I don't want to see. Because those areas, my ears and my eyes, are the gateway to my heart. If I don't guard them, my heart will be corrupted and be polluted by the world around me. The world around me will squeeze me into their mold. I begin to think like them. I begin to act like them. My way of life will begin to be channeled towards them. Because I'm aligned the gateway to my life on a loose end. Church, be a gatekeeper to your heart. Watch what comes into your heart. What, what comes into your heels. They will begin to steer your life in the direction you cannot even imagine. Church, did we hear me? So I'll never forget the testimony you shared. At some point in our life, we have to make certain decisions on the sake of your heart. Protect your heart, church. The world we're living in is such an open sepulchre. Protect your heart. And sometimes my children don't find this funny because I go hard. One of the things they don't like me, but I know, I know it. You don't go with your cell phone to sleep in your room now. It's not going to happen. You leave your cell phone at a charging station. Bedtime is bedtime. Like I said, it's hard. But it's good. Because I know what it means when you keep that phone in your head overnight. Number one, your mind is not at rest and your body will never rest. My mind also is schooled through the word of God on how to love without hypocrisy. I want us to hear me well. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, provoke one another to love. There is true love. There is authentic love. But that comes by walking with the Lord in his word. Romans chapter 5, the Bible tells us that the spirit of God has shed the love of God in our heart by the Holy Ghost. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. If I don't see that, how will I love? The Bible says a man cannot hate his brother and say that he loves God. Church, if I don't see it in the word of God, how will I know that? The world teaches me to love sincerely. The world teaches me to walk in love. Because that is walking like in the nature of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we may be called children of God. The path of love can only be found in his word. By nature, I'm a very ambitious person. One of the things that the Lord did for me as I began to study his word is that I must learn to depend on him. So when things don't fall in my way, I don't go around in my mind, not talking to anybody in my mind, thinking that I'm a failure. Because I must learn, even in the midst of my ambition, to let it be in his hands. God is not saying you shouldn't pursue your dreams and your vision. Pursue them. But while you are pursuing, remember, one person is the ultimate decider of your future. Oh, church, are you hearing me this morning? Oh, many are the devices in the heart of man. But the purpose of God, but the will of God will come to pass. We devise many things in our hearts. 
But do you know that God knows what you don't know? Well, he's saying it this morning. And many of the times, the, the way that seems great are ways of destruction. That's why his word says in Isaiah chapter 55, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heaven is far from the earth, so also are my ways from your ways. I have resolved and I have resigned to God's ways. I can tell you right now, church, on many areas I felt I should have done better. But each time I'm about to get into that place, God tells me, your ways are not my ways. Neither your thoughts my thoughts. Do you know, church, men may block your way. It is God allowing it because he wants you to go by another path. But he knows you will not be able to do it by yourself. Therefore, he will set up men to do things to hinder you from going in the way you think is right. But he's rechanneling your life to go in the right direction. I'm telling you right now. When Israel left Egypt, pastor, they were on their way to the land of, of the land of freedom, flowing with milk and honor in their minds. They were to go by the way of the Philistines. God steered them by the way of the Red Sea. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Do you know God knows what he's doing in our lives today? What seems right to you may not be perfect for God. God is a good God. And that's why if I allow God to purify my mind, Walk on my mind, I can perceive what he's doing. And I want to warn us this morning, don't let the flaws and the errors of men around you taint your respect and acceptance of the kingdom truth. And this is going on in our days. There's a lot of disappointment in the body of Christ. And men are beginning to rethink, is he even worth it? Is this real? Is this Bible even true? Is everything that God is saying is true? They are all liars. They are not all liars. Church, are you hearing me? They are not all liars. What is going on in the body of Christ is exactly what happened to Elijah. In 1 Kings chapter 19, how many of us remember Elijah? 